Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of Scotch, the show of Jen, the show of Florida, traveling, growing up in the industry. Today's guest is Remy Quantro, Brooklady, and botanist ambassador Michelle Fedor. We talk about a lot of different things, but I think the most intriguing thing is we talk about skydiving. We talk about some of the specifics, how long it takes to plunge to the earth at a deadly rate of speed. We talk about airports, and definitely changes in career. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this great chat with Michelle Fedor. Yeah, no, I just, like, of course, embarrassed, but... (laughs) That wasn't my first. Did you think you broke something? No, no, I, I didn't feel like I broke anything, but it it fucking hurt, dude. It was bad. How long did it? You weren't bedridden, or no, were no, you? no, 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 because you still uh, had to get up and do. Yeah, your no, thing, I right? thought I was like the next. I thought I was fine. I got yeah. up, I walked home. Yeah, it hurt. I put you know ice packs on and everything, and I thought I was gonna be fine. And the next morning, I woke up and I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> like it screwed up my back because. Like the way that I fell, like the right side of my back, like sort of like kind of this co- kind of uh, thing. compressed, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I was messed up. <laughs> it was the freakiest. It's so strange, you know. The I hate to say there's a string because I don't want to curse the the show, right? But like there was people that were injuring themselves and just like so. Rachel DeRocco, I don't know if you know Rachel. She was in Oaxaca. She messed up her foot. So, oh, uh, Nate Casablanca, the guy from Avoir, he messed up his knee. And I'm like, what the hell is good? Like, it seems like there's this invisible person just kind of shoving people like, into these terrible Well, there situations. was, the moon was in this really weird scorpion ah, retrograde. Okay, okay. And it, this, I think this happened the day after the retrograde. And oh, wow. Like, stupid stuff was supposed to be happening the two weeks before the retrograde. Yeah, yeah. And then everything was supposed to correct itself the two weeks after. I see. But I feel like... It's like turning a ship around. It's going to be kind of progressive, yeah. right? So, yeah, it was messed up. That's so, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the accident. <laughs> well, you know, it makes for a good story still. Like when you go back and, you know, you're in your 70s, you're like, well, all right, now I'm going to find, I'm retired now. I'm going to start writing my, my great American novel about I my like life. I such an idiot. <laughs> I did. But, I mean, it's okay. We did. Got it. I still have a scar. From running across where a sidebar, you remember where a beauty bar was? Used yeah. To be, yeah. So I don't know why, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but we were all, of, all the guys that were together were, I was way too drunk and I chose to run across the street to beat 7th Street traffic and I hit <laughs> That's something. That's how people die. <laughs> That's, you're very right. And I hit something and I, I barrel rolled. All the way to Beauty Bar from like the middle of the street. And I just got up. You stand up and go, ta-da! I, I, I got up like, 
And I kept walking. I was in so much pain. My hand and my arm hurt so bad. It was all scraped up, but I still have a scar somewhere out here. But that's, you know, it happens, you know. I've got lots of scars. It's good. There are lots of stories. Stories and quotes. <laughs> the scars are like little landmarks. Yeah. You know, no, chapters totally. in an eventful life. I hope. <laughs> I, I hope, right? I hope. It's rare when I don't have a bruise on my body at some point. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know what, what do you, like. Where do you go for that? Is that that's? I think again, that's probably a sign of a very active and fruitful lifestyle. Yeah, well, no, it's hereditary. Like I bruise oh, really it? easily. Oh, like, you could if you poke me hard enough, you can you can bruise me. Oh, okay, that's for different. sure. But I'm also extremely accident prone. <laughs> Do have to get you a bubble or something? So. <laughs> I mean, one of those balls that they put on top of you and That's you run right. around just bounce into things. Have you seen Push that me. sport? It's like yeah, sort yeah. of like soccer, but with no wait, a no so, around you. No, I haven't seen it. People yeah, compete against each other. In yeah, this yeah, yeah, in really? a bubble. <laughs> in a bubble, and they run around like your bottom half yeah, is yeah. is open. Right, so you, you can move your legs. But I like that part of you. So if you run into someone you just bounce off and roll around it's crazy can you uh can you like roll and do somersaults yeah. and stuff? that's yeah. kind of the point i guess right yeah. to kind of move that way and uh -huh. then hmm i don't know is this a european thing because americans are too uh. clumsy to do it <laughs> like we were just <laughs> i don't even think we're physically built to be able to fit in well, a small suit I mean, well i'm european my both my parents were born and raised in poland I'm first oh really generation your first generation the u.s so, oh wow so i don't know about this theory <laughs> That's fair. Okay, that's that's fair. So, how do you say the your last name then? If it's Polish, I think it's Fedor. Fedor. Okay. Yeah, I think in my family in Poland that lives there. Yeah. Or my if my dad had his way, he mm -hmm. would pronounce it Fedor. Fedor, a little more nuanced. Yeah. yeah, but my mother, even though she was born and raised in Poland for the most part, she moved to the states when she was um, an adolescent, and uh -huh. she was extremely wanting to be non-Polish and American. Right. Right. And so she stopped speaking Polish. She like almost forgot language completely really? until she met my father in her when she was 19 or 20 yeah and um she decided she wanted an american last name which was going to be fedor right something real hard fedor. yeah 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 so that's cool where did your parents meet uh they met at my my mom's next oldest sister's bar she was a cocktail waitress really yeah so pa both patrons or were they working there um my father well, yeah. So, because you, you, you said they met at a bar, your mom was wait. She was a cocktail waitress oh. at my aunt's bar. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And that's where she met my dad. That's I'm how pretty much sure. met too. Actually. Um, but I, I literally was like conceived and born in a bar. Like, wait, wait. So the conceived part, I get. I totally get the conceived <laughs> in a bar. That makes the CD. There's good music. Some of my first pictures are like me on the pool table or sitting at on a bar stool at a bar. My parents had a bar on Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. No in like kidding. The Polish, the very, very Polish area. The, yeah. And, um, yep. So the born Those part, were you literally my, born in a I bar? No, I was actually born in a hospital. Okay, okay. But conceived in a yes, bar, though. Let's keep that. Probably. probably conceived. <laughs> There's lots of annals in the, the bar. There's lots of places that get romantic in but there. Yes, That's, I, I yeah. Was, meant for this <laughs> yeah you were born That's scary i don't know that i've met anybody that was more born into it than that mm -hmm. you know there's lots of people parents maybe owned a couple restaurants mom maybe did some serving and stuff but you, both your parents owned a bar in chicago yes. that's pretty good you were they, destined. they started a bar a tavern i recently went back when uh -huh. i was in chicago a couple months ago 
with a friend of mine, actually an, an ex, and I was like, I really want to go see this bar because it's been like probably almost 10 years since I've seen it. Yeah. And last time I went with my sister and my uncle, it looked exactly the same. The bartender didn't know how to speak any English. No like I had to, I had to uh, ask for my drink in Polish, and it was awesome. That's incredible. And then I went back a couple months ago, and it's like a Tejano bar now. What? Like all Mexicans, big hats. They all like stared at me like I was an alien from another planet. Right. And I was like, this was my parents' bar. When did your parents get get rid of the bar? Oh God, years ago. Years ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I was. Um, I was probably under five. Yeah, so long, yeah. long time ago. Did they get yeah. can they go into the industry even more? Did they work no, on some other stuff? No, 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 no. They had a normal jobs for a little while, uh, and then they moved to to Florida. And that's the most normal you can get. <laughs> <laughs> that in Ohio, maybe. <laughs> they had um, a motel, okay. a small motel. I think it had about twenty rooms. Yeah. Um, on Clearwater Beach for um, for a handful of years, and then. When they sold that, they got into the daycare business. Interesting. And they did that for a while. Um, all the while, they were investing in rental properties. Yeah. And, and um, once they sold the daycare business, they, they'll do odd jobs, but they, they, had, they had the money, right? Yeah. They, they just kind of do whatever. I I look up to them a lot. Like they retired for the most part in their late thirties. What? Yeah. Aren't we both in our late thirties? Yeah. How close are you to retiring? Because I'm not too close. Um. I don't know. I feel like I can retire anytime. <laughs> Honestly, like I have been um, really good at really trying to live as with as little as possible. Yeah, for a long time, like or know how to. Mm-hmm. Um, and what did, um, why? Where does that come from? Is it just the way that you were raised? Was it the way that you um, are spiritually in the world? Like what exactly? Yeah, I just don't want to be tied. I don't want to be obligated yeah, to yeah. anything. So I have. No debt except for I just bought a house. So yeah. um, that's my only debt. Like my car's going to be paid off in the next couple months. Wow. And, so you li- um, you can just get up and go whenever you want. Yeah. You're like, that's crazy. Were you ever in a rock band torn around or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've been told that I would probably do pretty well. Yeah, I'm like, like <laughs> wait, you got a couple of records out, right? It seemed like you're just kind of like going with the flow, man. Just writing songs and playing gigs and shit. You know? I mean, that's good. That's a great, it's a great thing. I think that we're, man. It's good. I'm I'm very very happy that that's you can get up and leave whenever yeah, you want. Yeah. So retirement, yeah. I've thought about it. Depends on the situation. But, yeah. Um, Where would you go? You think? Hmm. Now that's a try. I mean, it's a tricky that's, question. There's lots of places. Tough. But. Yeah. I've been on some amazing trips. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. My goodness, Gazuntite. <laughs> Nazdrovia. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Um. Yeah, I've been. I went to Hawaii for two weeks, and I did a two-week camping trip around Maui. Oh, wow. And I lived on very little a day. Like, it cost me $15 for camp space. Huh? And, um... Are you going stealing coffee beans? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the best coffee coffee beans come from Costa Rica. Okay, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Ugh. Yeah. So I bought two pack. I went, I think, in February with my sister. Mm-hmm. I bought two bags of coffee. Um, this really particular coffee brand, which I can't think of right now, but I could see it on the package. But I told myself that once I'm out of coffee, I'll go back. Oh, that's a so great reason to go. I just started my second bag. Yeah. Oh, so you're like planning already. <laughs> yes. That's what. That's the only reason I keep going back to Cuba. <laughs> Not for the coffee, of course. <laughs> that's why I keep sending other people, actually. Let me put it that way. It's like, hey, when are you going back to the Cayman Islands? 
Yeah, well, you, you should go. You should go soon. I'm not soon. a fan of the Caymans. Really? I've never been, but he keeps oh, really? giving me rum there. So I'm like, <laughs> just keep going. Because <laughs> it's a 50% ratio. I lose every other bottle I buy every single time. I don't know what, I think it's How? cheap. I don't know what's happening. Like out of the suitcase? Yeah, it's cracking in the suitcase. Even when. Oh, it's cracking or it's not yeah, completely stolen. They're not, yeah, they're not doing a good job. Man, I trade. I Okay, so I go to Whiskey Fest all over the Yeah, country. you just got back and from Denver, yeah? I just got okay. back from Denver. And I rarely trade bottles. Like I'll give bottles away yeah, yeah, yeah. or people that are working with me, I'll let them trade the bottles. Mm-hmm. And um, I traded one time, one time. And I was so excited about this bottle. I got, uh, Westland is one of my favorite American whiskeys right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And I traded a bottle with the Westland guys and I got it home and I didn't unpack my suitcase until the day after. Oh no. And as soon as I opened my suitcase, I was oh, like, you no. S- you could smell it, right? <laughs> I could smell it yeah. immediately. <laughs> God, I did that too. I was, oh. oh, so bummed. It's the worst feeling. Luckily, like, it's the cheap bottles that break for me. Well, I, I'm pretty sure the one that I got was like a special like single cask bottle. God, don't make me feel worse. For, that's horrible. It was bad. They still have more of it? If, if in um, some... Probably not that particular cask. Yeah. But... Dang. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. And then there's other times where I come back from Mexico and just like wrap a bottle of... <laughs> you got newspaper? <laughs> well, let's use newspaper. Like literally just like... I hardly have time to stop before I go to the airport yeah. and just throw it in the bag and it makes it fine. It's so crazy. It's only the stuff you want to yes. not break yes. that breaks. Yes. That's why you can't will anything. At five, is that when the whole family kind of went to Florida? You said your parents sold the bar when you're five? No, and then- I was, I think I was like eight or nine. Okay. So they, they did normal jobs for for that. Kind of what years. you can remember when you're becoming yeah, a teenager. My mom was a secretary and my dad was a machine shopist. Yeah. And um, do you have any? You, do you have any siblings? I have one younger sister. Younger sister. Yeah. Okay. By two years, but she's much older than me in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> Most ways, actually. Yes. That's it's not it's a man. My brother is younger and he does act younger. So I don't know how that feels, but I can't imagine. Do you feel like she is she like uh, real rigid and structured? Um, I wouldn't say rigid. Um. She's definitely way more structured than anyone thought Ever. she was going to be. She was like the artist, <laughs> uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. growing up. And right. She was like, her mind just wandered and I was very organized and very, I had to set everything. And, yeah. And now it's like. Totally flipped. We flipped. Interesting. Maybe yeah. you just taught her and she's like, oh, I'm going to go with this. You're like, yeah, I'm done. I don't, yeah, this is a phase. I don't do really. It. You <laughs> can do it. I don't want to be a planner anymore. This is too much, too much work. <laughs> What kind of stuff then? So your parents are in the industry because it's it trying to paint this picture, you know, and what kind of things were you into like in school? Did in you school? like English, math, were you science? Oh, I was a math dork. Math yeah. dork? Math and music. Music? Yes. Which, what part, what kind of music? Not um, genre, I, but like writing or? Uh, no, playing. I um, was trained classically um, and played the flute. I was Oh, like, no kidding. You know, first chair and, you know. Really? Yeah, leader Dude. at the band and yeah symphonic was, like, band is that what you guys call yeah. it yeah symphonic concert i did even i played in pits for musicals and i thought that was going wow. to be my career yeah that's incredible but my music teacher in high school was an asshole okay and, <laughs> what did he say or she he, oh, or she he and he was just just not say just like the way he treated me and yeah had complete no 
respect for me whatsoever. Really? Was it a, so, was it an ageism thing? Was it a sexism thing? What do you oh, I don't know. I think our personalities just, just clashed. clashed. And he wasn't yeah. able to separate that being an adult and me being the child. Uh-huh. And so my senior year, I decided to drop out of band. I thought I was going to major in music yeah. and do it for a career. And this personality and conflict that's, changed my that's life. That's so shitty. Yeah. Do you... How were your were your parents good. like? Your parents were cool with it too, or were they thinking, "No, oh, it's just going to be a concert flautist"? No, they were they were upset with it because they had invested a lot of time and oh, a lot bet. of money in private lessons and driving me around to state competitions. Yeah, and even you know, I I was your weekends were booked always, yeah. right? Um, so they were they were upset with it, but I think now they realize that they know now that I'm sort of like I wear a lot of hats. Yeah, I'm sort of a what is the phrase? Jack of all traits or Master whatever? of none. Yeah. yeah. Jack of, yeah. Um, but my senior year, I ended up learning how to fly. <laughs> fly? How to fly a, how? A single. Single engine? Single, yeah. Cessna pro- kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And um, ended up becoming the operations manager of that airport that I was at eventually. And then flipped from flying into skydiving. Did a little bit of competition skydiving. Well, you got to have a ba- <laughs> Wait, Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I'm going to fall faster than you. Is that like, well, how do you compete in skydiving? Yeah, no, um, there's like certain maneuvers you do in free fall. Yeah. And every pattern that you make with your team is a point. And so it's how many points you could get before you have to open your shoe. How do they judge? Who's the judge? There's a camera. Oh, yeah. camera. There's, okay. there's someone flying, filming the whole thing. And so they yeah. take it to the ground to judge? Because I yeah, guess yep. that's going to mm-hmm. be real difficult to yep, do. Exactly. <laughs> so are you a fan of Point Break? That's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's it's a great old movie, but it's not really realistic. It's not, is it? No, you can't talk in free fall. Like, no, you can't. It's too too no. loud, too much wind, like rushing. Yeah, you're going terminal velocity. 180 something miles. 122 miles. Oh, 122. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So. Good point. Yeah, if you're falling to the earth. Yeah. So it is a fun, you know. <laughs> movie but it's not realistic. i like that you'd be the only person that would i'd be watching that movie and be like oh that couldn't happen like that <laughs> well, i've never met it like if, like what is in essence a professional skydiver i wouldn't say that like, did I you make any money ever no okay I've, so you're I've, an amateur skydiver. i i put myself into debt a couple times yeah. skydiving i mean if you think about it back then it was about 25 dollars mm. to get up to altitude your plane ride up to altitude and i could jump about 10 times a day so that's wow. a 250 dollars habit Jesus. How long does it take to get up there? Uh, depends on how many, what kind of plane and how yeah. many people are in it, how heavy it is. All 20 minutes though? Like under yeah, an hour? 20. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, about 20 minutes to get up there. And how, like, this is just a marvelous thing to me. How long does it take you to to hit the ground? How long does that take? Um, I, I could get, depending on uh, what altitude I jump out at yeah. and where I decide to pull my chute, I could get, I think the most free fall I got was 72 seconds. That was pushing it, and then wow. it de- also depends on what you do under parachute. So, okay. um, I like to spin, so I would get down pretty quickly. Okay, but if you pull on your back risers, you could really get a lot of loft. And okay, okay, sort of stick around for a while. Wow, so seventy-two it, seconds! Mm-hmm. It's so strange because Point Break taught me that it, you're there for like five minutes in there. Yeah, five minutes. <laughs> you need oxygen if you were falling, at, or if you were jumping out at for that, that high of an altitude to. So, yeah, no. <laughs> That's a bro- well. It's a brilliant shift, right? Like being the operations manager for an airport, and you're like, well, I like how things fly. Maybe I'll see how I fly, yeah. and then you kind of transition to that. Absolutely, totally. And um, 
yeah, it was so strange. Like, um, especially when I think about how I got into this business. Yeah, I've, I imagine there's a string of other things, yeah? Uh, totally by accident, but um, went into childcare, was a private nanny for some really Richie, well-to-do. Rich, yeah, yeah, sure. And did that for about five years while I was getting my finishing my associate's degree and decided to sell my house, sell my car, go back to school. Yeah. And finish my bachelor's degree thinking. And what, in what? By, um, mind you. Airport management. Oh, really? And I was um, working at the Gainesville Regional Airport. I went to the University of Florida mm-hmm. thinking I was going to go into, into the airport business yeah. and could not get an interview after I got my degree, even though I had all this experience in airport. What management. the hell? Why is that? Was it the market? or? Yeah, I, I don't know. There can't I be a lot no of those idea. jobs, right? No, there's not. Wow. Um, and I accidentally got into the spirits industry. Accidentally. So the nanny thing happened prior to you finishing your school? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So what, I mean, because that made sense. The nanny thing makes sense, right? Your parents kind of own this healthcare place. The booze thing certainly makes sense. Uh But what was that? Was it an aha moment where you just kind of like, well, I need to get some cash or? Yeah, no, I needed a job. And I had a friend that I lived down the street from who worked at a distributor in Florida doing special events, coordination, marketing, PR, right. whatever. Is it one, one that's still around today? Oh, yeah. Oh, was, cool. I mean, Republic National. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, so I, I just thought I was going to do that for a little while until I found, found you the job yeah. that you went to school for. And right? that was a little over 10 years ago. Shit, really? So late 20s, you finished, got your degree, mm-hmm. like going to do this thing. I know what the path is. Probably very much like I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then you work for a distributor on yep. DC, no, no less. Yeah. Interesting. So y- you took to it, though. I take it. Apparently, <laughs> it's not happenstance <laughs> that we're sitting here drinking <laughs> whiskey, right? Did you? What, what did you like about working on the distributor side of it? Um, it wasn't so much the spirits at first. It was just the um, I really love to be organized yeah. and to um logistically put things together and it was working for me at the time yeah and through that i started gaining an interest in wine Mm -hmm. and beer and spirits really wine and starts there doesn't it yeah Yeah. and um and then um i worked there for three and a half years and decided to move to austin and was pretty much unemployed and just working as like a server and bartender for about a year what about austin not that i don't love my sister had moved from la to austin really and she had wanted me to move to la and i had she is she in the entertainment industry out there no no just kind of liked it that's the only person i know that likes la i think i'm just kidding maybe it's bostic (laughs) bostic mike clay i don't know No, but um, I get it, right? Like, I'm not going to LA. No, with some middle ground. I also thought I'm not going to Texas, but she's like, "You'll like Austin. Austin's not like Texas." Yeah, and I'm like, "Okay, whatever, whatever." Yeah. And after my second or third time visiting her, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it." So, so you did. I just skipped town and moved to Austin. That's crazy. So we're talking what, like, over, gosh, over ten-ish years ago? No, that was about eight, eight years, almost eight years ago. So, Where were you working when you came into town? I wasn't. Oh, you said, but you got some waitress. Oh, gigs. yeah, just like at a any place you still see steakhouse. Oh, yeah. okay. And um, nothing, nothing special. It was nothing. just like a chain, you know, BS kind right. of thing. And um, 
luckily my Polish roots came through and paid off. And um, what I, is that? Tell me what that means. I I was uh, I was working for um, a vodka company called Jabrówka. Okay. Okay. Bison grass vodka. Yeah. Zoo vodka. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. And um, just started to become more and more passionate about spirits mm-hmm. and especially about the craft cocktail scene and the people behind it. The people. That's the and key. Their passion behind that craft. And um and that was the end of that story. That's crazy. That's so the vodka developed. thing and then did you have another transition before working with Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I worked for Remy Quantro. Remy Quantro oh, at the time right. was managing right. yeah. Zoo Vodka for a couple years. And um so when that position was being dissolved because the brand was leaving mm-hmm. the portfolio, got bought out by Russian Standard, and um, they retained me for the rest of the portfolio. So I was representing, you know, a lot of good Remy stuff. Quantro. Yeah, yeah, it was a really great portfolio. Um, and then they purchased the Brooklady Distillery about three years ago, wow. and then when I was introduced to it, it just really got cemented. Like I really became a little obsessed about. It's like this. There's gotcha. something about Brooklady, yeah. right? The story, the style, the tone. Like, it's like I try to think about because I always c- compare things to bands. I'm rolling my own eyes here, but I do because I also like understand it. But they're kind of like the Black Flag or kind of like the Big Black. These bands that have this massive cult following, yeah. and they over they do well over time. But it's not like everybody. Not let's put it this way. There's not like the rich white people are like all about it. Right, it's like still pretty cool. It's still like on the ground, and we all drink it, and it's good. And it hasn't broke mainstream yet, but it ha- does that make sense? And yes. that's not an insult. I think that's no. a great thing about yes. them. You know, it's like Black Sabbath kind of too, right? <laughs> like just not not U two level yet, but just mm-hmm. really cool. Sell a lot of bottles, really good flavor profiles. You know, it's good. So how does it feel? What's the tone like working with Brooklyn? The distillery is amazing. It's truly a family. Yeah. Like um, the place is magical. The island's magical, and the people of the distillery. Like I, I, I feel very blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Is I, the attitude less stiff? It feels like it's younger and more vibrant to me. Just like from the marketing perspective, especially. Yeah. No, it's definitely not stiff at all. I mean, there are the business yeah. aspects of it that get you have to and, be right yeah but that goes with anything, anything yeah. that pays right, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> there's a little bit of what do they call it uh fiscal responsibility <laughs> or no fiduciary responsibility right. like you can't go and flip off the president or something right. you have to have some boundaries yeah. yes boundaries <laughs> as you roll your actually, eyes actually like, ba- boundaries are not part of the brooklady vocabulary that's really that's actually good. a really great thing yeah about them um they are very much if if you know they just if someone at the distillery thinks of an idea mm-hmm. in the morning, they can literally start it in the afternoon. Like they are able to, you know, they're a, they have this creative exploration yeah. ability. That's so incredible. Yeah, it's like their own their own agencies. All the marketing oh, stuff in house. Everything that's in house. awesome. Yes, everyone asks you- me about like the marketing. Yeah, and the, you know the visuals we have and everything. Is done in house. I could. T- I just knew it because to have that kind of culture, and this is just an interesting like case study on companies, right? Mm-hmm. But to have that kind of culture that resonates in this particular kind of way, that has this like 
kind of i don't know grittiness about it but yet sophistication and like boldness and like indie rock kind of vibe which in a non-derogatory way i mind yeah. you it could only come from the people itself you know it can yeah. only come from the people that are there yeah. and immersed in that culture no it's amazing it's pretty and brilliant I, f- I feel like it fits like a glove yeah would it how did that first did they seek you out was it just um, kind of walking into the role or what did that meeting seem like uh no because it's gotta be fate right uh personality match like that yeah i guess um they uh i i was very fortunate to be nominated to go over there to Mm -hmm. become a brand specialist um early on i think i was like the second group from the remy quantro family to go over there and um i just completely immersed myself and became even more fascinated with their philosophy and yeah. how they're doing things. And um, then about a year later, they decided to hire someone to represent the brand nationally for, um, you know, different elements. Sure, you know, sure. Whiskey fests and um, outreach to, and, you know, drinkers and, yeah. and all that. And um, at first, I, at first I wasn't, I was interested, but I didn't want to move to New York. Yeah. and Just because uh, you hadn't been in Austin that long yet. It's just your job wasn't done here, or you just weren't interested in getting up and moving again? I just wasn't, I, I just wasn't interested in moving. I wasn't interested in leaving Austin. Yeah. I just, I really, truly love this city. Found like a home just, here, maybe? It Well, I, I'm definitely now, because I, <laughs> yeah. I have a mortgage. Yes. <laughs> well, you have, you're contractually obligated to have home here now in Austin. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> At least for a year. Sure, I'm not allowed sure. to rent it out for a year. <laughs> but no, see, uh, you know, minute five. It's of an the owner-occupant yes. mortgage. So, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, but um, I had asked about it, and um, they had come back saying, hey, if you're really interested, we're interested in you as well, yeah. and we would be open to discussing where you Because it's about live. you. That's, that's so cool, though, like, no, that they're going to yeah, be flexible was, like that. Very, yeah. And so Very how long grateful. did it take before they're like, all right, it's fine. It's it happened Austin. so fast. Really? Um, it's happened. I Actually, it was last last 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. It was less than a year ago. Oh, really? I, um, I had expressed my interest the day before I left for a week-long camping trip through Idaho, Montana. Um, Wyoming, too? Yeah. Yeah. And, that uh, whole place. Yeah. I just did like, a, you know, I drove up through, I stayed in Boise for a little while, did some whitewater rafting. Oh, wow. Um, went through the Clearwater Forest and went to, um, yeah, I did just, yeah. a whole loop out there. Do you go to Flaming Gorge by chance? No. That's a beautiful lake that's in northern Utah, mm. southern Idaho. Great big caverns and stuff. I'm mm. sorry. I'm, just, I'm being nostalgic right now. Saw my first ram there. That was that was a good that was a good scenario. But so you're doing this tour, and it's like, were you gone when they had made the decision? Like, no, uh, I was gone for a week. Like I literally just like cut off yeah. like phone and everything, and I just I needed to go on like the spiritual decompress. Right? Yes, and um, when I got back, the the morning I got back, I had a Skype interview with um one of the guys no isla yeah and my air conditioning was broken oh geez and um i did the skype interview just like drenched yes <laughs> like and, are you okay uh, you don't have to be so nervous 
Yeah, and, and then, um, I mean, the next week, it was done. That's so cool. It just happened so fast. Yeah. sounds Well, that's how things... Well, I use the word fate a little bit, but that's how things that are meant to happen, happen. It's never really a struggle. You know, maybe the story to get there and the road and all that, but like once those great opportunities come along, it's just like... Yeah, I know, all mixed. the stars aligned. Yes. For sure. That's so cool. And you yeah. got to get, you got to be decompressed. Yeah. You get to come back and sweat it all out, whatever you mm-hmm. did in the, <laughs> the the sweat lodges and stuff throughout, throughout your journey. And then you woke up with Brooke Laddie. You said just, just now going to be a year on July 4th-ish, around that time. Yeah, and I think uh, late July, early August-ish, mm-hmm. I have to look at my paperwork, Yeah, will be my one-year official so cool. anniversary. Yeah. Is, you, is that? I just can't believe it's almost been a year. It's, it moves by so quickly. Mm-hmm. You just, it's, I think about a year ago, and I'm like, oh, shit, that was, that was a year ago. It just keeps going by, and then you get yeah. older. I had someone tell me, I think this is an interesting way to kind of frame time. Because sometimes it, it just seems like as you get older, stuff seems faster, this theory of relativity oh, and all this, right? But is it, I didn't, know, I didn't really have a way to articulate that. It's like, oh, it's science, right? Like the, the world's spinning faster, right. whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> and someone framed it in this way one time and they said well when you're four years old a day seems like a hell of a long time because you haven't lived that many days Mm-mm. so the percentage of your life that a day is or a year at that rate is 25 percent of your life that's very right true. I never and i'm like at it that way. oh shit that's totally yeah. true but then you're 40 and four years is you know 10 percent. so it's like far less yeah it's crazy but then i've realized the more you live the less you live happens so fast I don't, i'm not even trying to bum me out i promise i just think it's a no cool it's look not at. bumming me out yeah. it's pretty spectacular to be honest i love it it's very cool because it's just i mean i'm sitting here and we're drinking the port charlotte at hunter proof which is brilliant I've, I've always loved this mike sanders is huge i don't know if you saw the the calendar where he's put, oh yes yeah i so i edited that calendar <laughs> you did <laughs> Um, there's a little them. bit of nipples that I moved around. There's some back fat and stuff. I kind of like <laughs> airbrushed out. <laughs> Chris Bostick and a sea of wildflowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, they're good, great guys. They're very picturesque. They are. But I had to. I had a lot of nightmares for a little while after that. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike's bottle was this, the, the Port Charlotte. Yes. And so tell me a little Plus, bit I about it. I almost forgot about that. I love, if that's how easy it is, yeah. it's just like totally is ingrained into the conversation <laughs> already, right? But it's beautifully light. That's the one thing I really like about Brooklady, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's barrel treatment or what, but never comes across as too dark or too charred, ever. That's, that's, you know? I mean, this is what drew me to scotch. Yeah. I guess people ask me all the time, you you really like whiskey? I'm like, yeah. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> faking it. Sorry, you're the first to, yeah. But Port Charlotte in particular is what sort of, was the switch mm-hmm. that made me start to understand scotch more and want to know more mm. about it. What makes this so elegant um, are two main reasons that I talk about is where we get our peat from mm-hmm. and the the size and shape of our still necks, which gives Brooklady that very well-known, elegant, classic, floral fruity note okay okay um that feel and um doesn't have that assertiveness with the smoke it doesn't have right, that aggressiveness very, right um it's very soft and round and pleasant it feels um, like a you know what sorry to interrupt you but um 
the thing that that's interesting is it's like a new genre of scotch for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has elements of stuff that I've, that, you know, cigars and dark peat and like these kinds of things that I imagine with old school spirits mm-hmm. in a way. And not to say it doesn't harken back to tradition and these kinds of connecting into the land and stuff, but there's something uniquely new about it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, it's so strange, but it's so beautiful. And I think it, it comes back into that marketing thing too. That's why like it's a psych, it's perfect alignment of everything. For the yeah. Year, you know. Um, I remember my first time drinking a peated scotch. I was at Peche. Mm-hmm. And Rob gave me a pour of... Something. Lafroig. Ah, yes. And I tasted it and I was like, why would <laughs> anyone want to drink this? Now I've developed my palate to where I truly enjoy Lafroig. Yeah. It's an occasion. It's different. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's an occasion dram for me. Mm-hmm. My everyday though, and I'm not just saying this because I work for the distillery, yeah. but I honestly adore this juice it's so easy yes you know um it's just so it's so soft i always describe it like um you know marshmallow roasting over an open campfire i love camp and uh that (laughs) you know the wind shifts and it just blows into your face just for a second Mm -hmm. and you have that sweetness and the charcoal kind of burnt wood and that soft campfire kind of smell yeah um that's what I feel like this tastes like. And so it reminds me of something that I love. That you're passionate about yes. anyway. Yeah. I don't you love that when a spirit takes you someplace that has really like no, there's no logical reason why it would take you there. Mm. But it feels nostalgic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like slightly salty. You mind you of the beach. Mm-hmm. Right. You talk about this roasted marshmallow thing and just kind of this like slight waft of campfire, you know. I mean, I love that. And that's. That is the sign of a good spirit that is transportative, right? Mm-hmm. And take you somewhere. And so I'm, I'm real curious what, I, I love rare bottles, just because, you know, these, one, these, these particular moments that are captured in time. But Port Charlotte, you can get kind of regularly, right? Yeah, and actually, this is a special version of Port Charlotte. Oh. This is the uh, Port Charlotte that is made using all barley grown on Isla. Oh, wow. And um, there are six farms that we've combined the barley from mm-hmm. to produce this. So speaking of, you know, that you, you mentioned something about saltiness, but yeah. this has that brininess in the Absolutely. end. Absolutely. Because, you know, the terroir and the microclimate around those six farms on Isla. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this is this is a special little Port Charlotte. This is the first time we've done a Port Charlotte with barley from Isla. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, we, I mean, uh, at Brooklady, we only use barley grown in Scotland. Mm. Period. Right. Uh, we don't import at all. And um, this one's the first time we've been able to do a Port Charlotte, a heavily peated. Yeah. In the you know same style we do as our regular Port Charlotte, but right. with with barley grown on Isla, exactly where it's made, where wow. it's distilled, it's grown. All it's in the one. Like all, everything. Just, all that, that one continuum. Mm-hmm. How do you, and I, at some point I'd like to ABM because that's such an interesting thing to think like what kind of, impact what kind of influence does that kind of singular vision of the, the terroir and oh and it's, the, uh, it's a spectacular we'll have to sit down yeah. one day and i'll taste you together between port charlotte scottish barley mm. and isla barley totally. and you could see a difference That's same thing so with cool. our unpeated version yeah, with yeah. and same thing with our uber peated versions mm. with styles with octomore 
each one of those styles, we do a Scottish barley mm-hmm. and an Isla barley version, and you can clearly really see the it's difference. that clear. That's so Very, cool. I mean, think about it with grapes. Yeah. If oh, you have true. a Chardonnay grape that is grown in California, mm-hmm. and you compare it to one a Chardonnay grape that's grown in France or a Chardonnay grape that's grown in Italy. Yeah. You're able to see a clear difference. That's to- that's exactly right. Same thing. Interesting. Okay, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Agave is very much that way too. Mm-hmm. So terroir yeah. driven. You know? Yeah. So what? And I had a. And we were talking about this kind of before we were starting to chat. But I tried the black art mm-hmm. bottle. Is that seemingly that's a little hard to come by? Yeah, I mean it's super limited, um, and it it is a, a super special bottle. Um, the story behind black art is when we. When we purchased the distillery in 2000, mm. in the year 2000, it was mothballed. Previously, it was hanging on a right, on like a uninhabitable, yes. right? Yeah, it was it was a mess, and um, the the brilliance behind this purchase was one the stills mm-hmm. that were producing this amazing spirit from years and years and years ago, but yeah. also these barrels that were, were just there, there, right, collecting dust. <laughs> The best part. Yes. And um, Jim McEwen, I mean, he's brilliant. He's yeah. a genius when it comes to whiskey. He knew this juice and these barrels were, they were just amazing. Yeah. But the barrels were shit. So, oh, really? Yeah. So they were overused. They were literally just sitting there. Collecting dust, collect, probably. Literally collecting yeah. dust. So, yeah, he emptied them into newer oak barrels mm-hmm. to get the normal age and the maturing that you want from a, a scotch whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the magic happened because um, the, the partners who figured out the financing to purchase the distillery in 2000, they were um, importer-exporters of fine wine out of the UK, yeah. and they had amazing relationships with some great winemakers yeah. around Europe. So they were able to to get their hands on some amazing wine barrels. Oh, amazing. Okay. And Jim decided to, to to take advantage of this. So he aced that whiskey that had been sitting there collecting mm-hmm. dust in these red wine barrels. And wow. so it's extremely small amount. Yeah. And we're being very conservative About of how much lotting it yeah. or whatnot, yeah. So um yeah, it's it's that's an it everyone was good. asks that's about a black great, art, but yeah see and i don't you know this is the thing i i understand the brand and i know if I, like you know how people drink it and what people are drinking it but in terms of its larger social or uh impact to the narrative of the house the industry like i'm not that privy to it but i think that, so like black art jeremy from from i talk was excuse me juliet was sharing a bottle of it and i was like oh cool you know, I bur- I'm a bourbon guy, admittedly. You know, I this is different because this is a whole new genre. I can, this yeah. is very approachable. And, and I mean, it's lovely drinking it. But bourbon's my thing. So he brings this bottle. So I don't know how special it is. I'm just like, I'm basically like the guy on Antique Roadshow. It's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I got this picture. My mom, my mom's mom's got it from uh, Babe Ruth. And it's yeah. a side picture or something, you know. So that was why I wanted to get like a little bit of background on it. Because I had no idea that that was the juice that was there. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's so it's the same juice that is being produced out of the same stills that we're using yeah. today, um, which those stills create amazing yeah. spirit. But it's also the the mastermind of Jim McEwen deciding to, mm-hmm. you know, 
take the juice out, rebarrel, and then oh, yeah. finish. Because the there's juice. a lot of risk there. Yes. What if you're wrong? Yeah. Because that's the question you always have to ask yourself yeah. with whiskey. Like, it's good right now. It's good right now. Everything's yeah. fine. If I mess with it, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know? And that's that's the best thing is just not being afraid yeah. and just doing it. And it turned out as a lovely bottle. It was really beautiful. Yes. So now being on the whiskey circuit, the whiskey scene, mm-hmm. and there's nothing more romantic probably besides agave, but in America and kind of generally globally, Asia especially, people love scotch, man. They love whiskey. How do you, how how is the whiskey drinking public? Do you like interacting with them and kind of letting them know kind of tidbits about about the, the scotch, do they hit on you a lot? I imagine it's a very male-dominated... Oh, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely a male-dominated, but I definitely see a huge emergence of women who yeah. appre- can appreciate it. That's beautiful thing. Um, and I think there's a really interesting segue between our philosophies with terroir and wine, mm-hmm. which is sort of like this line between um, you know women who love wine eventually you know if they really learn right. and hear about brooklady and what we're doing in our in our personal philosophy it matches with that and it develops their interest yeah. in whiskey specifically scotch whiskey absolutely um so i love speaking to most people i would say <laughs> i like that that uh, caveat most people are good i love most every people. once in a while i get that one that i just want to Punch them in the face. Okay. Flick them in the forehead. That's right. That's yes. good because it's pretty, it's sub- subdued. It's pretty yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Whiskey yeah. is a weird thing. It can become really stuffy at times. It can, um, depending, but um, I don't, like, I don't feel like Brigati is stuffy at all. If no, anything, no. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anyone that I know everything about Scotch whiskey because right. I know very little. Sure. I know a lot about Brigati. I love Isla, the the region of Isla in yeah. particular, so I know a lot about the distilleries around Isla, and I love the discussion. I like I yeah. I want I want to invoke somebody's thoughts. Right, right. I want to provoke them to think more mm. about what they're drinking and what goes into it. You like the dialogue? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's what I enjoy most when I'm speaking to people about yeah. Scotch whiskey. Interesting. Yeah. Do you. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to think about, well, where will Michelle head after her house is paid off? <laughs> no, but I think you're going to stick around with Brooklady for quite some time. I mean, it just seems like a good fit, right? It's like, it's like starting a band or dating, right? Like you got to just have the right profile and these people that kind of match the same uh-huh. ethics and everything. And, and please, you know, if you have new things or new things you'd want to share and you, you know, you want to bring them on the show, and I've, I'd love to bring more people into the brand because it's just it's it's really delicious. Yeah, and I feel like maybe I'm lucky enough to be here sipping it on an afternoon. It's pretty good. Yeah, I thank you for that. More than welcome. I appreciate Please. it. Well, and uh, having to sit and drive through for 26 minutes, this might just be the best way to cope with that. <laughs> yes. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for chatting with me. Hopefully, thank we'll you, talk Mike. soon. So there we have it. What do you guys think of Michelle? Would you also like to just give up all of your material possessions, travel the world, and be one with the earth and nature? I think that sounds like a plan. I'm not sure that I will be pursuing that until probably my 50s. But it's also great to have some of my preconceived notions about skydiving 
Thank you, Point Break, Patrick Swayze Canaries. Thanks, guys, for giving me such inaccurate information. Thank you, Michelle, for setting me straight. It's great to sip Brooklady with Michelle. It's great to talk about gin and be part of the community and part of the narrative on gin with Michelle. Obviously, the botanist is an amazing Scottish gin with many botanicals and a nice crispness. And it's always a pleasure to talk cocktails. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. No matter which Patrick Swayze movie you're thinking about watching next, which for me would be Roadhouse, or if you do ever feel like Keanu Reeves is truly, truly sad, please keep dancing.